putting our faith and our confidence in God in everything and whatever the situation might be. Um, like this past week, I was involved in a situation and it was not a pretty deal. I had two options to face. I could either try to figure out what I was going to do and you know what I said? I said, God, it's in your hands. You take care of it. And you know, when I did that, I felt a sense of peace come over me like it's going to be taken care of. No matter what the other person was saying, no matter what they were trying to do, it didn't bother me. I, I didn't have that. A lot of times when something like that happens, we have this cloud that's over our heads and it's, it strains upon us. I didn't have that. Because like we talked about the last few weeks, you believe and you believe with no doubt in your mind. When you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, a small bit of faith can do wonders in your life, in my life. But you have to be strong in your faith and say, God, I just put it into your hands. And one thing that has been taught me by you guys, by the congregation here, this is the perhaps, I've mentioned it before and I'll probably keep saying it for the rest of my life, that Buffalo Lake Lutheran Church has been such a strong part of my life even though we're separated by 60 miles. With God, there is no distance involved. With God, he's, his love is wherever we are at. Because it is a river of love. It starts here and it ends there. Actually, it really doesn't end because it evaporates, comes back up in the air, comes, rains down here, and it just cycles all over again. The, 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 there is no ending to the river of love. Thank you, Sheila. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Genesis. Now the Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That is our first reading. Our second reading comes to us from the book of Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was a descendant from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness 
by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I want to thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap, reap some harvest among you, as well as among those the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That is our second reading. Our gospel reading is the parable of the rich fool, the one who thinks only of himself. And where does it get him? Let's read in Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
I printed off the sheet here um, some vacation spots that a person could go to. Saved up some money, so I think I'm going to go on vacation someplace and be gone from you all for a while. Not really. But here's the story. You know, they got some places you can go and see the Pacific Northwest or historic trails of the Blue Ridge Mountains or up in Alaska, you can go up and see the Yukon or an Alaskan tour. There's, there's all kinds of neat places that a person could go to go on vacation. So everything is all planned and we're planning on going. Then all of a sudden the phone rings and I get a call that says, well, your job has ended. We no longer need you. <clears throat> now, where does that put us in our vacation? Everything suddenly is up in arms. I didn't lose my job, by the way. It was just kind of a story that we're making up here. But that happens. You make all these plans that you're going to go on vacation, you're going to do this, and you got everything all planned out. You got your big harvest, so you build bigger barns out there. And it's all about me, myself, and I, because I'm going to go on this vacation. I've got these grain bins out here. I'm going to store up, and I tell you what, for a long time, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And where does that get us? There is this neat little story about this man. He brushed his teeth twice a day with a nationally advertised toothpaste. The doctors examined him twice a year. He wore his rubbers when it rained. He slept with the windows open to get fresh air. He stuck to a diet with plenty of fresh vegetables and fruit. He gave up his tonsils and traded in several worn-out glands. He golfed, but never more than 18 holes at a time because he don't want to overdo it. He got at least eight hours of sleep every night. He never smoked, he never drank, he never lost his temper. He did his daily exercises. And he was all set to be, to live to a hundred years old. His funeral will be held Wednesday. He's survived by 18 specialists, four health institutes, six gyms, and numerous manufacturers of health foods and antiseptics. He made just one mistake. He forgot about God. It was all about me, myself, and I. Everything I can do to make myself better without any relation about God and about my future. This body and everything that we have here is here for a short period of time. James talks about that, that we're just here for a mist. So if you're out watering your flowers and some of you, you know, maybe in your plants you missed your flowers and you see the mist and then it disappears. 
That's our life. We're here for a short period of time, but then all of a sudden it disappears. And then what? And then what? This man in our gospel reading for today really didn't get it, did he? It was all about him. Nothing about his neighbor. Nothing about his friends. Nothing about those around him. This is probably one of the rare parables that Jesus talks about where it is actually about one person. And he's trying to make a point. Where does it get us? What's more important in our life? Having all these riches and all these fancy things and going on all these luxury vacations. It's okay to do those as long as God is part of your situation. There are many rich people out there. There are many rich people that love God. But there's also a lot of people out there who are rich and it's only about themselves. They don't know that it's really about God. You know, I don't know why it struck me this morning, but as I was coming down the road this morning and as I come down this road out there, I don't know what road it is, but it's where that lake is at, where a bunch of boats are at. I was happy this morning when I drove by that area. There were no boats there. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of nice. Because everybody, every time I drive by, there's always lots of boats. And I'm thinking, you could boat and go to your boating after church. And there were none there this morning. I did see some going to other different places, though. You know, the thing about it, though, is we all do make mistakes. Every one of us here has made one type of a mistake or another. And that's the nice beauty thing about God is that God does forgive. But you've got to ask him for it. Here's a few mistakes that I came across that cost some people lots of money. This, a New York newspaper once published an advertisement of a magazine that was just being published. By error by both the printer and the proofreader, the cost of a year's subscription was 10 cents. <laughs> Well, 30,000 readers of the newspaper send in their dimes for a year's subscription. That newspaper had to stand by their mistake, and that one cost them only about $27,000. It's a mistake that happens, and we have to sometimes admit that we make mistakes and live by them as well, instead of trying to pass the buck on to somebody else. Sometimes they have recalls out there, and I've read somewhere where they had to send out all these certified letters about a recall. It cost them like $4 million to send out all these letters about the recall about something that is a mistake. Even a presidential candidate one time wanted to proclaim how good the Bible is and, and that his favorite verse in the Bible was John 16.3. meant to say John 
Just in case you're wondering what John 16, 3 says, it says, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. And you know, in reality, there is a lot of truth to that. Well, the parable of the rich fool tells us about some big mistakes that people make in life. In planning for himself, he forgot about his neighbor. In considering his goods, he forgot the giver. In providing for his body, he forgot his soul. With such a good crop coming in, he said, what am I going to do? This harvest is great. I love it. What am I going to do with all this, all this grain? And you know, the, the bad thing about it is that the harvest was about wheat. So if you think about it, there's, there's also something else going on here. What do you use with wheat? You make food. What's he doing with all this wheat? He's hoarding it. Instead of giving it or selling it, actually, to people that really need it, he was only going to sell it when he felt it was necessary for him to have extra money, forgetting about his neighbor, forgetting about those who need the wheat, those who really need that wheat to live on. Proverbs 11, 24 through 26 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, thinking only of himself, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. In other words, time to sell. Time to sell to other people so they can have their food. Are we selfish in everything that we do? There's this cute little story about this guys who went out to supper and they ordered fish. They each ordered a big fish. So on the plate is a fish, two fish, one bigger, one a little bit smaller. So the one guy takes the plate and he puts the smaller fish on the plate and he hands it to his friend. His friend says, what are you, what are you thinking? Why did you do that? Why did you give me the smaller piece? And the other guy says, well, what would you have done? He says, well, I would have given you the bigger piece. And the guy says, well, I have the bigger piece. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you, know, you, you think about these funny stories and we will try to do whatever we have to say to justify our own means. And I know there's people out there who will say and do anything they can to justify what it is, it's, but they will not accept the blame. We need to follow Christ. We need to get into the canoe and go down the river of love. And along the way, help those who are in need. Don't think about you, yourself, and I. I didn't quite 
come out right, but you know what I mean. Think about other people around us. Remember, don't forget about the giver, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who made us, the one who makes the crops bountiful for us. In James 1, 16 and 17, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All good things from God, they come from God. No matter if they're a believer or an unbeliever, remember, God allows it to rain on those who believe and those who do not believe. The rain is abundant for everybody. It's just that for some people, they will give God the glory. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. The other day we got 4,100s in Groton, and as it's raining, I'm thinking, thank you, God, for the rain. We really needed that. And I step out in the backyard and I'm getting eaten up by mosquitoes. You know, it happens. But we needed the moisture, we needed the rain. It's about the giver. It's about God. The thing that this man forgot about also was his own soul. As Jesus said in his parable, Tonight, your soul will be demanded of you. Then, what's going to happen to everything that you have? One thing they always say is, well, you can't take it with you. That's true. So what are we doing with it in the meantime? I know we have to save up for our retirement years, plan for our retirement years, But make sure we have a plan to do with it when we're no longer around. How is it that we're going to save other people? Give them what they may need. You talk about people who will spend money foolishly. You know, and I know everything's got a price tag. We are so bombarded with advertisements, with buy this, buy that. The New York Times had a long-running column called Metropolitan Diary. It usually features about six to eight brief letters sent in by readers who relate real-life experiences in the Big Apple. Many of these anecdotes are examples of kindness and warmth in the midst of a city reputed to be cold and uncaring. Some are laugh-out-loud and funny, Some are just funny quirks. In a city of 8 million folks, you're about to see anything and everything during the course of a lifetime. Here's an example of one of the things that somebody came across. A couple from the Midwest, that'd be us, was visiting New York during a cold stretch of the month of January. As they walked up Fifth Avenue in midtown Manhattan, a bitterly cold wind came up, causing the woman's ears to nearly, they were painfully cold. They decided to duck into a boutique to purchase a hat for her. The woman rather quickly found a loving cashmere knit hat and was about to buy it 
When her husband noticed the price tag dangling from the cap, $350. They put it back and quickly left the store. As they came back on the sidewalk of Fifth Avenue, however, they saw a woman passing by carrying her little poodle dog, and the dog was wearing that same cashmere knit hat. What could you have done with $350? Could have given it to somebody who's homeless. Could have helped somebody. Could have gave it to the church so that the church can take the money and do something with it to help other people in their missions around the world. This man, you know, actually, they, they talk about some uh, scriptures that, that this man is considered a fool. And a fool is not a good thing to be called. When you're called a fool, it means exactly what it means. So as we go through life, you know, Paul talks about in, the, in our second reading for today, he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We have to believe in God. Be careful about the people who are There's so many avenues that we could talk about. Oh, somebody's got a beautiful boat out there. Oh, I, I wish I had a boat like that. Oh, did you see that house? Oh, I'd love to live in a house like that. Where's it coming back to now in the commandments? When we're thinking like that, it's about coveting. Now we're going back to the basic Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. What are we doing when we're thinking about that? Oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. No, you're saying, I want to covet that. I want to covet this. Now it comes back to me, myself, and I again, isn't it? I want to be living in luxury. And what does God say? He says, be content with what you have. There's no reason for us to want more. As I said, you can't take it with you when you die. So be content with what you have. It works out. God always provides a way if you believe in him totally. I don't know how many times I could count where I've been strapped for cash. I just needed a little bit extra cash flow and I go to the mailbox and here's this unexpected check that comes in. So what do I say? Thank you, God, for that opportunity. Thank you for coming through for me again. I'm such a troublesome for you, Lord, but thank you. And for each one of us here today, I'm sure we have had struggles in our lives. And when something happens, I hope that you say immediately, thank you, God. Don't let it be an afterthought. Don't wait for a week later or something. When it happens, thank God now for it. God likes thank yous. 
He loves his children. He loves the children who come to him each and every day. He loves each one of us. He loves the congregation. He loves the church. He loves people. He wants everybody to come into heaven. He doesn't want anybody to go down there. So where does that put us? It puts us into a situation of, okay, I will do what I can, Lord, to spread the message. Maybe I'll give somebody a little card, inviting them to come to church. One thing we don't want to do is ram down religion down somebody's throat, because that turns people off. What we want to talk about is love. Hey, we have a gathering up here in the hill. We'd love for you to come and be with us. It's a great time. And we have awesome food afterwards. Invite them. Give them a card. Even right on the back of that card, too. Make sure you put your name and phone number on there, too, in case they have any questions. It's always neat when you hand them a card. Don't just hand them a, a, the blank card. I got one up here somewhere. But make sure you write in the back of it, or even in the front. Make it personalized to them. It means more. You're taking a special effort to talk about God. So as we leave here today, we are gifted by God to spread the gospel and we're not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now granted, everybody that we give the card to may not be a believer, may reject the message, that's okay. You cannot, it's up to God to convert them to come to, to church. God will make them move the way that they are going to live out their life. So do what you can. It's no different than sending out a mailing. If you send out a mailing, you might send out 100 mailings and might get maybe one or two back. Hey, you gained one or two. <coughs> If you make no effort, what are you going to get back? Goose egg. Zero. No effort, nothing returned. The more you hand out, all of a sudden you're going to, oh, did you, we got somebody coming again. We're reaching out to them. One more person coming into church. One more message. One more person Believing in God. One more person coming to the Lord's table. One more person coming to salvation. One more person that maybe is going to be translating from me, myself, and I to what can I do for God. Vacations? Yeah, they're great. My vacation is going to be in heaven. I hope yours will be too. Amen. May the grace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in the truth. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.